This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome into B Town's continuing coverage of the impact of COVID 19 here in Rhode Island. I'm Bill Bartholomew. On this episode, a conversation with the president of the NAACP's Providence chapter, Jim Vincent. Well, good morning, Bill. How's it going? Fantastic. How about you? Excellent. Thanks. That is quite a scholarly location you've got yourself in there. I mean, come on now. Well, you know, I, I looks count. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, Jim Vincent heads up the NAACP here in Providence. And I mean, let's get right into this right now. We've seen the health equity question playing itself out. Um, there's been a lot of attention here in Rhode Island on the Latinx community. 44% of the cases that have been confirmed are coming from that community. But nationally, we're seeing a lot of questions around broadly speaking, minority communities. Can you sort of touch on that and how, you know, just where this may be coming from, um, from a societal standpoint at minimum? Well, you know, it really exposes uh, the conditions of people of color. Uh, We know that uh, people of color are disproportionately uh, essential workers. Uh, They're on the front lines. Uh, They continue to be on the front lines. Uh, They continue to be underpaid. We also know that uh, communities of color have a disproportionate amount of underlying condition like diabetes, hypertension. Uh, we also know that they're less able to work at home, let's say, than their white counterparts, and that we also know that they have experienced a disproportionate amount of the layoffs. So we, we're, we're in a, a, a pandemic calamity here. Uh, I know in Rhode Island, uh, you know, the Latinx community, as you said, is uh, suffering at three times their population. But what I think people sometimes overlook is that the black community is suffering at two times our population. And when I say black community, we have one of the most diverse uh, black communities in the, in the country. Uh, I'd say, you know, maybe 50% of the black community is actually African-American. The other 50% are African and Caribbean. So we have a diverse community that speaks languages other than English. So I've been asking uh, or urging the governor's staff to be mindful of that. Be mindful that you have a community of color, uh, black folks, and I also mentioned Native Americans, Southeast Asians as well. But I said, in terms of looking at black folks, that we not only have a community that's suffering, but they have different languages and we need to be able to communicate to them as well. No question. That's one of the key issues that you know, I've been hearing from the community here in, in, in Providence and also trying to push to the governor is, look, Spanish, Portuguese, English, American Sign Language, that doesn't cover all of our bases here in the state, even close to it. So it'll be interesting to see if they're actually rolling out an expanded translation and interpretation messaging operation here in the coming days. Yeah, I, I've been on the phone with Courtney Hawkins of uh, DHS and Kasim Yarn, as well as uh, Joe Sachs of the governor's staff. Uh, and I've, I've, I've told all of them that this is very important. Uh, you know, we do have uh, a community of uh, Cape Verdeans, for example, that is not just Portuguese, but it's Portuguese Creole. Uh, right. There's a lot of Haitians here. And, and it's not necessarily just French, it's French Creole. Uh, you know, we have uh, also Africans from West Africa that speak French as well as in terms of the Southeast Asian community. I don't want to forget that. You know, I saw something where Chinese or Mandarin was being offered. Well, there are very few Chinese Americans in Rhode Island, relatively speaking. Southeast Asians are the dominant Asian group. So if you're going to do that, you need to translate into Khmer, which is the Cambodian language, 
and and Lao, which is which is the Laotian language, at a minimum, at a minimum. So I think you know I've given them lists of organizations, contact people that I think can be helpful in this way, and uh, it, we'll see. I, I'm in, I'm encouraged. I'm I'm optimistic, but but we're, it's a work in progress. How do you think, and again, this isn't necessarily the Monday morning quarterback, the governor or anything like that, because that's really pointless right now, but just assessing we're heading into, they're supposedly going to roll out phase two. Today, we're taping on a Thursday. This will air on Friday. So phase two may very well have been described. Part of that is at least Stefan Pryor, Commerce Secretary Pryor, revealed in a, in a talk with restaurateurs that I was sitting in on, I just happened to be watching, that it could be as early as June 1st that we go to back into indoor restaurant dining. That seems like it's moving too quickly. And the people who are going to be most impacted by that are the people working in kitchens and, and people who are serving and maybe are at least able to get to a primary care physician if there's an outbreak and so on and so forth. I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, my gut tells me that that seems soon as well. June 1st, we're talking about a couple of weeks. And, I, and, I, and I'm not uh, unaware that the economy, as far as people having jobs and being able to feed their families, is not an issue. Of course, it's an issue. However, health is a greater issue. I mean, yeah. uh, having a job, if you're dying, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, so we have these priorities here. Uh, and I think health ranks first. So so it's a delicate balance. It's, 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 it's anguishing. It's a struggle. Um, and I don't want to minimize that. Uh, people do need to feed their families. They do need to pay the rent. They do need to pay their mortgage. I understand that, but I want to keep people alive and people of color on the front lines. We are the essential workers. We are the people that are uh, being impacted the most. So I, I, I hopefully they're talking to communities of color at length about this because this uh, could end up uh, being the issue that makes us have to go back. So let's let's do it right the first time. As the governor would say, I only want to do it once. And I agree. Yeah, same here. I mean, that's an, a major factor as well. It's one thing to just reopen, but if we have to close in two, three weeks, then that's a no, huge... She wanna, right. She doesn't want to do that. And I think that, you know, talking to people uh, in terms of communities of color, in terms of how we look at this, what are the perceptions, what are the realities? I think, I think it's important information. Absolutely. From your vantage point, right now are you you know from a i guess the, the lack of for lack of a better way of putting it are you personally comfortable going out and you know going to restaurants going back out into the store or do you want to take it slow and and sort of let people who are maybe in their 20s go out and get, <laughs> <laughs> test the waters so to speak i mean what does that feel like for you well, I'm personally uh, uh, more uh, leaning towards taking it slow. Um, I, I value my health uh, greatly. So I'm, I tend to be a little more cautious anyway. So uh, I don't know if I'm a good barometer uh, of, of what people of color, let's say, are thinking. Um, I, um, you know, uh, I'm in an older category. And so I do realize that I'm more at risk. So I would uh, be a little bit more careful. Uh, but I, I, I believe that we have to be cautious um, and careful, and I, I don't mind doing it slow. It, it's, it's fine because uh, I'm like the governor. Let's just do it once. We don't want to go back. Uh, that'd be, that'd be a catastrophe. Yeah. So I probably won't be going out to a restaurant for a while, but I don't, uh, I'm not saying that people shouldn't uh, go out if, the, if the, the evidence says that it's safe and that people are taking the proper precautions 
in terms of uh, the the workers as well as as well as the the patrons. Do you feel like the NAACP has been involved in in dialogue with the part the Department of Health and the governor's office? I know you'd mentioned that on the translation issue, where but in general, do you get the sense that the the leadership in the state has reached out to community leaders? Um, you know, bring them into the inner circle, so to speak, or would you rather have a little bit more communication? I want to be brought in a little bit more, and I've indicated that to the governor's staff. Uh, I have been in constant communication with, with, the, with the governor's staff. I, I, I uh, communicate with Joe Sachs on that staff, and I did have a uh, lengthy call with Courtney Hawkins about a week ago and Kasim Yarn, uh, and, and I have also communications, uh, uh, or I communicate regularly, you know, but I, I have a dialogue with uh, uh, Patricia Coyne-Fagg at the ACI, uh, as well as uh, Wamazetta Jones, who's the Secretary of, uh, of uh, Health and Human Services. So I'm, I'm in communication with those folks anyway, and we've been in communication, you know, since the pandemic uh, has affected our state. Uh, so, you know, I, it's not like I'm not communicating with them, but I, I think because of the seriousness of it, I want to be brought in even more. And uh, I think I have a unique uh, uh, relationship with communities of color in terms of the non-Latino community, as well as the Latino community. I have great relationships in that community as well. But in terms of the, the communities of color that are, you know, especially the immigrant communities of color uh, that have the different language issues or whatever, uh, I think, uh, you know, our voice, the NAACP voice, would be very valuable because we have deep contacts in all those communities, and I, and I'm, we're willing to step up and, and do our part. What are some things that the NAACP would like to see from a, a I guess, a structural change here? Because we know that, look, when we come out of this in, in our quote unquote new normal, let's hope that there are equity questions that are answered um, as uh, you know. Use this pandemic. I was saying last night, for lack of a better term, to, to a friend of mine use this as an excuse for lack of a better term to try to move things forward. You know what I mean? In, in, in areas that have been overlooked before, whether it's brick and mortar facilities in certain areas from a healthcare standpoint, schools, food deserts, all of these underlying factors. I mean, what, what are your priorities right now as we emerge from this? Well, you know, our priority before uh, the pandemic started in terms of legislation was a uh, $15 minimum wage. I think clearly that should happen. Uh, you know, we, we've been phasing it up, you know, let's just do it now. $15 minimum wage, let's do that. And, and as far as a uh, fair chance licensing, making sure that ex-offenders have an easier chance to get a license to, to work or be an entrepreneur, let's make sure that happens. And in terms of source of income discrimination, there was, a, there was an issue where landlords can actually discriminate against people that have uh, uh, Social Security or Section 8, you know, shelter is important. Let's make sure that cannot happen. No more discrimination. But we need, uh, as far as the health aspects, I think the governor's on the right path in terms of providing those testing sites uh, in in urban areas. And I know that's going to be expanded. So I want to make sure that that's the beginning of a a conversation in terms of access to health care for the overall community in terms of uh, permanent access to health care. Uh, let's let's really take a look at you know the uh, the the the, uh, the problems that when you don't have access to healthcare, what that does. Uh, you have food deserts, you have bank deserts, you have all these deserts in urban areas. Let's take a long look in terms of how we uh, change uh, and make sure that these things are a thing of the past. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different issues, and 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 we need to 
you know, now we have, I mean, it was always evidence-based. People might think it's, it was anecdotal before, but now we really can see the evidence. You know, it's really playing out before us each and every day in terms of who's positive, who's dying, whatever. So let's take that and, and, and have more of an urgency in terms of let's make, let's make sure that those communities are made whole. Education-wise, you know, we've got to make sure that everybody has a chance to have education. I mean, businesses, which is the backbone of economic development, right? They don't come to a state unless there's a trained, motivated, and educated workforce. So almost 50% of the public school students in Rhode Island are students of color. So if they're lagging behind, that means our state is lagging behind. We got to get that right. So whatever we got to do, and we have an excellent commissioner of education, we got to continue to support her and to make sure that that, that we, we close that gap in terms of the disparity in education, because it, it only hurts everybody that lives in the state, not just the communities of color, but everybody. No question. So, so, so let's, 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 let's understand that we're all in the same boat, okay? There's nobody outside the boat. We're all in the same boat. We came over in different ships, but we're in the same boat now. So we've got to help each other. We need to support each other. We need to understand that by helping each other, we're helping all of us collectively. It's not somebody else's problem. It's not those people. It's us. So let's let's make sure that we just don't say it. Let's let's say it and mean it from the heart because those things are linked. Those things that can be proven to to be true. So it's not me saying it. It's 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 a lot of people, and I think that it's time that we work together. Couldn't agree more. And that that's something that's been driving me. It's actually been somewhat depressing. Is that I grew up in in South County and. I've got some people who post on my Facebook wall now that whether they're saying this is a hoax or it's this or it's that or, you know, and you show them the data of, hey, look, 30% positivity rate of just those who have tested in Olneyville, 27% in Central Falls, 02907, 02908, these zip codes that are with significant impact. And it's as if Dorcas Institute... um, the other day on this podcast, you know, described it as the two Rhode Islands, the rural and, the, and then the urban core. And what people lack, even if you want to be, you know, unempathetic, let's say, if that's your position, um, as our, as, which is a horrible thing. I mean, it's really horrendous position and, and should be called out in my opinion. But if someone is unempathetic at minimum, all, we are all in this together. It's Rhode Island is basically a, it's a one county, one city operation. So even if you live in Westerly, and you think everything's all you know good to go? Um, your future, your economic realities are being determined by these inequities that we're now uh, seeing play out through COVID nineteen. Well, you know, unfortunately, we live in a time of culture wars and division, and people, uh, you know, uh, not thinking that by working with others, it's in their interests because of messaging from the top uh, of our country. So, uh, unfortunately, you have people that, you know, are believing uh, certain things uh, that are not true, and uh, you're not going to be able to convince them that they're not true because they feel that, you know, you're out of touch or you're, you're, you're part of some kind of uh, conspiracy. Uh, and so I can only say I hope it changes, but I'm not in the business of trying to convince people of the truth or evidence or anything. Uh, they can continue down that path as long as they don't try to harm me. Uh, when they try to do that, now that's a different conversation, okay? And unfortunately, we've had some evidence of even that. Not in Rhode Island, thank God, but in other states, Georgia being an example yeah. recently. 
So, right. I mean, you know, that the we have a culture war being festered. It's being flamed. And uh, so you're not going to be able to convince certain people, even in Rhode Island, that uh, certain things are true or certain uh, numbers are right or there's always a hidden agenda behind the numbers as far as they're concerned. And, and there's always an excuse. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the, um, that's the price we pay for, you know, living in a society where there's uh, supremacist elements all around us. Absolutely. I I've been following, I guess the Rhode Island center for freedom and prosperity as they've made their way through this. It's a really no other way to put it, but kind of a far right group out of, you know, that, that, that espouses several ideas, one of which is to lower the minimum wage so that employers can bring people back to work. But then just yesterday, in the last few days, they put out this statement that if you are not returning to work, you are somehow unpatriotic. I, I can't, that, that makes me sick to my stomach. Um, you know, those types of messages, I find them to be not only, um, you know, really, frankly, silly. I mean, it's just kind of nonsense, but that's really dangerous because that fans that 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 uh, fire, so to speak, of of those who are would question the validity of the um, you know the issues that we have here with inequity. What's your response to the the Center for Freedom and Prosperity? I agree with you. It's dangerous. It's offensive. It's wrong thinking. Okay, you know, throughout our history, we've always had you know people that in a crisis say, "Let's get together. Let's come together." You know, I don't care if it's 9-11, World War II, or any other example. There's always been, you know, uh, leaders and organizations that say, you know, no matter what our differences are, now we have to come together for the good of all of us. This is the first time in my memory or my lifetime, you actually have leaders and you have organizations that are doing the opposite. They're saying, you know, you know you're not patriotic, as if somebody, you know, had the right to say who's patriotic and who's not. I mean, the, just the arrogance of something like that. Uh, you know, now you have that. It's first time. I, I haven't seen it, you know, and I, I remember JFK, you know, okay? So this is uh, very new, very dangerous. It's very, uh, very uh, 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 disheartening. Uh, I'm sad to see this. And uh, unfortunately, you, you have people that, you know, they really believe that this is uh, the, way to, the way it is. And, uh, and I know who's the head of that organization. You know, a great baseball player. I know his father was a was a good baseball player as well, and uh, so we and we've talked uh, about different things and possibilities of trying to work together on common uh, stuff that we both agree on. And um, you know, so hopefully we can continue the dialogue. Uh, I, I'm just disheartened when I hear this this whole thing about patriotism, as if somebody could they 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 have the right to to decide who is and who isn't. Uh, that that kind of arrogance is not needed, especially during a crisis. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it just couldn't, you know, I, I, if anything, you know, and again, I have no right to say this either, but I mean, to me, when you're out there, no mask, endangering people, you know, the protests they had the other day at the state house when I was up there, I mean, that is, I'm not going to go and call it un-American, but boy, does it push back against the theme of what we've built this country on in terms of the positive elements of it. Yeah, I don't get into un-American, American, because who am I to be saying who's American, un-American? But to me, and I've heard this by others, it's the height of selfishness, yeah. being selfish. When you're going to expose other people you know, uh, that are innocent to possibly catching the virus, when you don't care, and that's your actions are saying you don't care. It's not what you say, it's what you do. And clearly what you experienced uh, at the Statehouse 
was uncaring, selfishness, wrongheadedness, as far as I'm concerned. And it's just too bad that, um, you know, people, they don't think uh, about uh, the fact that you might be harming other people because this is a virus. This is not something else. This is not, you know, your typical political, uh, you know, uh, uh, arguments and uh, that you can handle in a different kind of way. Uh, this is something that links us all in terms of uh, public safety, really. So, uh, you know, I, I just don't understand how people can be so selfish uh, yeah. in a crisis. Uh, that that amazes me. But uh, hey, look, I saw it, so I got to believe it. I got to accept it. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, all right. Last question here. Uh, summer's coming up. You know, are you feeling optimistic? You know, are you feeling good? I mean, in spite of everything's been canceled, quote unquote, we know that there's not going to be a 4th of July parade, no jazz festival. All the little street fairs are likely to not happen. But, you know, how's morale just for you personally? Ralph, for me personally, is, is fine because I, I, I think that the leadership in the state is on the right path. I think, I think we're doing the right thing. I think that even though all of these things are going to be uh, not happening this summer, and surely I like almost everything you said. Yeah. I like to get out to the festival. I like to do all of that. However, not at the expense of having to re to redo this again. You know, we're going to do this once. So if it enhances the chances of us having a more normalized fall and winter, then it's well worth it. You know, I can I can go without baseball for 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 a summer uh, if I know that we can have a healthy fall or late fall winter if if if, it's, if i know that's going to happen then i'm 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 all for that you know i want to make sure we do it once like the governor always says do it once i want to make sure that at the end of the day that you know we can go out and 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 feel safe feel healthy so whatever time it takes for for the evidence to show that this is now okay i'm willing to go with the with the science i'm willing to go with the doctors uh, i'm willing to go with the with the state leadership and and i'm willing to to do whatever, and I'm not going to complain. Uh, there's plenty of other things to do uh, with your life other than go to a festival, even though I love it. Uh, it just gives you a chance to self-reflect on on your life and the, the things that maybe you haven't been able to get to because you've been so busy doing other things because you're, you're, you're working 24-7. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do, you know, and I'm getting more exercise. I'm running four miles every day, or at least I was up until a week ago. Uh, so that, 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 that's been helpful mentally, physically, uh, hadn't had a chance to do that in a while. So, you know, it's all, it's all good. I'm happy. That's great. Four miles a day. I, I've been running as well, but nowhere near that. So I give you a lot of credit. That's amazing. (laughs) It just makes me feel better mentally and, and, and physically, you know, and, uh, you know, I've lost a little bit of weight, which is good. So, uh, just don't overdo it. Cause I got a little shin problem, but I think I'm going to be out there next week. Uh, you know, it's, it's what I do. So, um, everybody has their own thing, ride your bike, do whatever you got to do, walk even, uh, but get out the house, get some air. Don't get too close to people, wear your mask. And, uh, we're going to all get out of this together. And we're going to do this, uh, I think as, uh, as Rhode Islanders and I'm, and I'm optimistic and I'm encouraged. Jim Vincent, Rhode Island NAACP. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to do it again. Yes. Can't wait. Thanks. All right. Bill. Thanks for all you My pleasure. Thanks for all you do. I really mean it. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hey, folks, a great way that you can support the Bartholomew Town Podcast is to leave a rating and go ahead and hit that subscription button wherever you're listening right now.